Welcome everyone to Tamriel Adventures, a show that brings you information from all across the far reaches of Tamriel. I am your host, Eric, aka Sulior, and I apologize for the delay in this episode, but if you follow me on social media, you know that I just had a huge move take place. So I moved from just north of Indianapolis to Des Moines, Iowa. So that was a huge trip and there was a lot that went into it. So there was the packing and all that good stuff. Then there was the actual moving, which was, I mean, the moving process sucks, let's be honest. Um, My brother-in-law, I think, put it best. You don't look forward to the move itself. You look forward to the move being finished. So... Yeah, um, (laughs) that's certainly the case. Like, moving sucks. Uh, Packing, the actual hauling of the stuff, unloading. There's a lot that goes into it. So, and, um, yeah, we don't know anybody out here. We didn't actually hire movers to help. So, yeah, it it, it was uh, a lot of work. But I'm here now, and I've got an office. It's really nice. we got it all set up. So I'm back, baby. So, yeah, I, I've been um, I've been on social media, uh, still talking and everything. So you probably see me on there. But uh, in the time in between these last two episodes, E3 took place. So uh, yeah, there were a lot of announcements made at E3, uh, not specifically about Elder Scrolls. But uh, let's let's dive into it. So uh, first off, ESO is has now been console enhanced for next gen consoles. So if you're one of the lucky people that has an Xbox Series console or a PS5, enjoy those next gen graphics. So along with that, uh, Doom Eternal is getting optimized and uh, enhanced for next gen consoles, and that takes place on the 29th. So um, that's coming up. Uh, speaking of um, Doom Eternal, they announced the Ancient Gods Part 1. Uh, is uh, That's now available on Nintendo Switch. So if you do have Doom Eternal on Nintendo Switch, enjoy that. Um, there's a lot of Fallout-related news. So Steel Rain launches on the 6th of July. Um, there's also the pit that has been announced uh, to take place, uh, be a part of Fallout 76 next year, which I'm excited about because I definitely played the pit DLC for Fallout 3. That was a lot of fun. So this is uh, the pit 26 years after the bombs drop. So that'll be interesting. Um, Redfall is not the name of Elder Scrolls 6, as some speculated, but it is, in fact, the name of a new arcane IP involving vampires. So that looks fun. Um, arcane, you probably know them for uh, Quake or, um, I think, Dishonored. Quake might have been Bethesda, but Dishonored or uh, Prey, those are arcane IPs or Arx Fatalis. Um, on PC. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Check out the trailer for that that's out now. Um, Speaking of Elder Scrolls teases, the um, trailer for Starfield was shown at E3, and it looks really cool. 
So definitely check that out also. And that will be out on PC and the Xbox series consoles on 11.11.22. So you know how Skyrim was released on 11.11.11? Well, this is going to be released on 11.11.22. So again, with the 11s. Uh, apparently Bethesda has a thing with the number 11. So this caused a lot of controversy with PlayStation players because they thought that Starfield was uh, guaranteed to be on uh, PlayStation as well. I guess they thought there was a pre-existing agreement that it will be on PlayStation. I don't actually remember Bethesda saying that Starfield was going to be on PlayStation. I know they said that games that were already um, announced to be on PlayStation will still be on PlayStation, even though they're now part of the Microsoft banner. But I don't remember that being the case with um, Starfield. And Pete Hines was just like, sorry guys, I apologize, but uh, yeah, it's not going to be on PlayStation. So um, it will be on PC, so I mean, if you have a PC that can run it, uh, get it. I am looking forward to it, although I don't have a series console, I just have an Xbox One S. So um, we'll see, um, but I probably won't be able to play it when it's launched, but here's hoping. Um, we do have some ESO uh, stuff going on right now. Mid-Year Mayhem is active. Uh, it's online right now on ESO going through July 6th. And you can get a lot of uh, goodies through that, including the Deadlands Firewalker personality. So basically what you do is you do the normal like PvP stuff like the Battlegrounds and... and uh, I don't know if the dungeons are included or not. They, they could be. But um, you get three upgrade fragments for this Deadlands Firewalker personality. And when you do have all three, you can use it to summon this uh, collections. So there you go. Um, I'm not the biggest PvP fan. I know there are a lot of you who are. Um, it's not really my thing, although I do. I'm more of a PvE person, so I would. Do, I have done PvP uh, with the Hive Guild, and it is fun. Um, there's like Capture the Flag, there's Chaos Ball, there's um, there's the one where you defend the, the flags um, from, like you actually have to defend the flags from the other team um, so it is fun um, so if you do enjoy pvp now's the time to get on it so uh, yeah uh, definitely enjoy that i do have one of the pieces of the the fire walker personality thing i can't remember which one it is but uh yeah i do have one so maybe i will be able to collect the other two in time you just use the uh, the event tickets for it so, um, as far as what I've been playing, so I've been playing a lot of ESO. Actually, I have finished the uh, the uh, Blackwood chapter. It didn't seem that long to me, to be completely honest. And it's kind of funny because of Ailey, or Evely, uh, however you pronounce her name, kind of mentions the fact that it feels unfinished. But I would imagine it does i mean you know how that is with these chapters they have the dlcs that go along with it and there's a a dlc that 
kind of finishes the story. Like they, there was Markarth with the Greymore, or I'm sorry, the, uh, the yeah, the, the Greymore chapter. Uh, I can't remember what the event was called. Um, Dark Heart of Skyrim. I apologize. Um, yeah, they, they had Markarth that kind of finished the Dark Heart of Skyrim story. And they have announced the next one, or the the DLC that finishes this story. I'm blanking on the name um, right now. I'm sure there are those of you who are yelling at me right now for not remembering the name of what the DLC is going to be called. But they have announced that. But yeah, it, it didn't seem that long of a story, but... It was a lot of fun. Um, I have both of the companions that were a part of this story, uh, Miri and then Bastion. Um, I mainly travel with Miri, uh, being a Dunmer fan myself. Uh, Bastion is a Dragon Knight, and Miri is a Nightblade. Uh, so <laughs> she's a lot of fun. Um, each of them have their likes and their dislikes as far as actions that you do. So uh, neither one of them is a big fan of murder. So if you are doing Dark Brotherhood storyline quests or just murdering people in general, they don't really care for using the Blade of Woe on people. Uh, for whatever reason, Miri doesn't like you catching flying insects like torch bugs. I don't know what she has against that. Um, although it's really funny, she does love it when you brew alcohol. Uh, I mean, who doesn't really? Um, so, but yeah, um, there are each of them have their likes and their dislikes. Um, but like I said, neither one of them are a big fan of murder. So, uh, I even if it's not a friendly NPC, I was doing the Merkmire DLC. Yeah, there was the free trial of ESO Plus that I took advantage of. And I loved being able to have that crafting bag again, but I also decided to do the uh, Merkmire DLC because um, Lotus of Doom, who you may know from Tales of Tamriel, and he's also a part of the Elder Scrolls lore cast right now, um, he mentioned that he is a big fan of the Merkmire story, so I did that, and that was a lot of fun too. So I was able to complete that right before the trial ended, thank God. I was afraid I wasn't going to finish it in time, but I did. And it was a lot of fun. But there was a part where you have to sneak through and kill these um, bad guys. I can't, I'm blanking on the name of what they were. But um, I was able to use the Blade of Woe on them, and Mary was not a fan of that. So um, just keep that in mind. If you are traveling around with companions, they do not like murder. So, but the thing is, you can use them, basically, they're like non-combat pets. You can take them out and you can put them away. So, if you do plan on uh, doing any murder and mayhem, uh, make sure to put your companion away. Although, oddly enough, Mary doesn't care if you're stealing things. So, I don't know. Take that for what you will. Anyway, um, I've also been playing a lot of Witcher 3. Um, I picked up Witcher 3. I had it when it was a part of Game Pass, but it was taken off Game Pass. I hadn't played it for a while, and then I went to go play it again, and it said I had to buy it. So I was lucky enough to pick up the Ultimate Edition of it when it was on sale for 10 bucks. So I have been playing a lot of Witcher 3. So, um... <laughs> um it's got a hell of a story to it. Uh, I love the gameplay, and it really makes you think 
about what you're doing, you just can't run in guns blazing. Well, number one, there aren't sword or there aren't guns, um, so I guess I should say swords clanging. Um, but you can't just run in without a plan. You have to think about what the creature is and how to best go about getting rid of it or stopping it, whatever you want to do. Um, the story, like I said, it's it's got, it's got a hell of a story to it. Um, some of it hit a little close to home, like there's the whole story with the botchling. Um, if you know my uh, personal story, you know why that kind of struck a chord with me, or struck a nerve with me, I should say. Um, the Baron's a asshole. Um, let's just leave it at that. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's really got me sucked in. I've never played a Witcher game before, but Witcher 3, what can I say? It's it's fantastic. Um, I talked about my Nintendo gameplay on Nintendo. I put that episode out today as well. Uh, let's see what else have I played. Of course, there's always 76. I've been doing the dailies on that. That's mainly about it. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else I played. I think that might be it. I've just been playing a lot of ESO, a lot of Witcher, and yeah, that's, that's really about it. So, all right, let's take a break and we will talk about Vivek. So, stay tuned. See you on the other side. you guys welcome back after that short break so let's talk about vivex so as always this information is coming from the uesp article and also as always these tribunal segments come with a, a quote so this is from a fellow tribunal member sothasil it says vivek craves radical freedom the death of all limits and restrictions he wishes to be all things at all times, every race, every gender, every hero, both divine and finite. But in the end, he can only be Vivek. So that's, that's kind of a loaded quote there. He wants to be everything, but at, at the same time, he can only be himself. So who exactly is Vivek? So Vivek, or Vek, is the warrior poet deity of the Dunmer, and V in the Amsivi. It was the guardian king of the holy lands of Vardenfell and ever vigilant protector from the dark gods of the Red Mountain, the gate to hell. Though some aspects of his past are blurred by time and questions surrounding some of his more controversial choices, Vivek has always represented the spirit and duality of the Dunmer people, which is reflected in his half Dunmer, half Chimer appearance. Yeah, that's kind of what I was mentioning in previous episodes, how you know, the the three members of the tribunal were originally Keimer, but after the dragon break at Red Mountain, you know, Almalexia still has the Keimer appearance and Sothasil has the Dunmer appearance, but Vivek is literally like half and half, like the right side of his body is one and the left side of his body is the other. So his right half is Keimer and his left half is Dunmer and I, it seems to be a you know conscious choice to represent the duality of the people so for hundreds if not thousands of years he mostly resided at the pinnacle of his palace in Vivek his capital 
which was visited by hundreds of pilgrims and tourists daily. So, yeah, the capital of the Vardenfell section of Marland is Vivek City. And you can see it at, sorry, that was my chair, not me. Um, I've got a nice little office chair, but it makes noise. So, um, you can actually see Vivek City being constructed in ESO. Like, they're building some of the buildings in Vivek City, but by the events of the game Morrowind, it's been fully built up. But, so yeah, in ESO, he has a palace in Vivek City, and it's visited by hundreds of pilgrims and tourists daily, and he has a book series called The 36 Lessons of Vivek, so this is where the poet part of his uh, title comes in. So it's a series of cryptic texts widely open to an incredible amount of speculation and conjecture, primarily to act as a guide for the prophesied Nerevarine. He wielded a power and mysterious spear of legend called Muatra. He honorably guided and protected the Dunmer until his loss of divinity and subsequently disappeared near the end of the Third Era, a sacrifice he not only accepted but helped to bring about. Following his disappearance and the collapse of the Tribunal Temple, he was renamed Saint Vivek by the New Temple and declared a member of the False Tribunal. So. It should be noted that there there is a, a kind of like an asteroid hovering above Vivek City. It's called the I think it's called the Ministry of Truth, if I remember right. But he is using part of his power to hold it above the city, so it would crash into the city if he didn't hold it in place. And that's actually part of the Mar the story of the Marwin chapter of ESO, where his power is being stolen by a false Nerevarine. And part of losing his power, you know, results in the rock coming closer and closer to crashing into the city. And you're... You, your job is to go find out what's going on to Vivek and to get his power back so he can save the city. But, uh, yeah, let's talk about his history here. So there's a sketch of Numidium, a giant mechanical god of the Dwemer, stated by Vivek to be built in his image from the divine metaphysics. Much of Vivek's early life is muddled by suppositions, metaphor, and time, but it can be assumed that he grew up in Resdane, which was the original name of Marwin during the First Era. Vivek remembered the laughing of the Nechimen, I'm not sure what that is, of his village, uh, probably Nech hunters, when the hunts were good. Yeah, so yeah, the, these are people who hunted the Netch, the Betty and the Bull Netch that you find throughout Marwind. He marched with his father in the ash, growing strong in the hooks and sailed, and be and able to run a junk through the silt. I'm not sure exactly. Run a junk through the silt, that's interesting. At 11, he sung to an ash, Ashkin, and he became sick after Red Mountain with a Nick's blood. With the Nick's blood and fever, he was infirm for a hundred years. Eventually, he became he would become the junior counselor, sometimes called a general, to Lord Endoral Nerevar, who, of course, we know who that is. 
the Horator, the military commander and representative of the United Chimer people, under whom all the great houses in the Ashland tribes were united. So that's actually one of the signs of the coming of the Nerevarine, is the uniting of all the great houses. So um, Indoral Nerevar himself was able to do that. Vivek's followers, fellow counselors, sorry, were Almalexia, Nerevar's queen, and Sothasil. Nerevar's trusted and wise friend. Nerevar had established a fragile peace with the ruler of the Dwemer, Dumak Dwarf King, during their united stand against the Nordic invasion, and thereby united all the people of the province for the first time in recorded history under what was called the First Council. Vivek and Nerevar's other advisors warned him that the peace could not last, a warning that unfortunately proved well justified. After learning of a Dwemer plan to construct a giant mechanical god powered by their discovery, the heart of Lorcan, and subsequent failing, sorry, falling out between Nerevar and his friend Dumak, Nerevar fled the Chimer, sorry, led the Chimer people to war against the Dwemer, a war which cultivated in the Battle of Red Mountain around First Era 700. The several conflicting accounts of the events surrounding the battle paint Vivek in drastically different lights. He is usually seen as a loyal soldier and a servant, and sometimes accused of being a murderer and a traitor. Vivek's own account is in between. He certainly didn't murder Nerevar or betray him in life, but later his ambition and drive would help the Chimer to help the Chimer would lead him to break a most sacred oath. What is agreed is that Vivek and the other generals command the attack on the Dwemeri forces outside the mountain. Nerevar took a small party into the mountain where they fought Dumak and his guard, driving Kagnarek, the chief architect who first unlocked the mysterious of the heart, to desperately attempt to use his tools on it, a grave mistake that caused the Dwemer on Nern to disappear. That's up for debate, too. I don't think we'll ever find out what really happened to the Dwemer. It's kind of like, you know, the the mystery of it's kind of part of what's keeping it going. The only person who knows for sure is Todd Howard, and I don't think he'll ever give up that secret. So, again, here we're going to be talking about the Heart of Lorcan. So, shortly after the Battle of Red Mountain, the tribunal convinced Nerevar that Kagnarak's tools should be preserved for study in case the Dwemer ever returned, which he agreed to upon one condition that they were all to swear an oath upon Azura that the tools would never be used to profane in the profane manner that the Dwemer had intended, which is to steal the divine power from the Heart of Lorcan. The tribunal took the oath and then accompanied Nerevar to the Red Mountain, where the, they left the tools under the, the protection of Vorin Dagoth, the High Counselor of House Dagoth. Unfortunately, Vorin had been left with the tools for too long, and unbeknownst to them, he had already experimented with the tools in the heart, likely becoming deranged and, by the experience. He refused to relinquish the tools, and he and his guards fought with Nerevar and the guards. This treason was ostensibly the reason why House Dagoth was eradicated immediately thereafter. Uh, yeah, they come back. Dagoth, or as Vorin began calling himself, was driven off and presumed dead, but Nerevar was mortally wounded in the attack. 
with his di- divine with his dying wish, easy for me to say. Nerevar bade his friends to follow their own advice and never use the tools. All accounts generally agree on the outcome of the so-called War of the First Council, where the Dwemer were not only defeated, but spirit disappeared entirely. House Dagoth was dismantled and absorbed by the other great houses of Morrowind, and Lord Nerevar was slain. But as tremendous as these changes were, the most significant results were yet to come. With Nerevar gone, the tribunal came to power among the Khymer. Several years later, Sothisil approached Vivek and Elmlexia with startling news. He had learned how to safely use the tools to de- take the divine power of the heart, and he wished, to, wished the three of them to do so. At first, Vivek had misgivings, but a stirring, idealistic speech from Sothisil convinced both of him and Elmlexia together that they could be the gods Resdain deserved. Convinced, the three defied Nerevar's dying wish and used the tools of Kagnarek on the heart, drawing his power for themselves. As soon as they did so, Azura appeared, and the Daedric patron of the Chimer, and she cursed them, saying that her champion Nerevar, true to his oath, would return to punish the tribunal and make sh- make sure such profane knowledge might never again be used to mock and defy the will of the gods. When Sothisil dismissed her chiding, all of the Chimer were changed into the Dunmer, including the Tribunal. Azura assured them that this was the fate they chose, and all their kind would share in their fate from now to the end of time. So this is kind of a retelling of the story that I've told two other times now. But um, it's interesting that it seems like Vivek didn't really seem to want to go along with this. You know... Nerevar was his friend, and he didn't want to betray his friend, but that power, it's so tempting. What it, but it, I guess it's what you do with it. I mean, he paid the price, ultimately, but he, I don't think he used the power that he got for ill. I guess that's kind of the difference between him and Almalexia. So let's continue. The Dunmer were, of course, startled to see how their skin had changed from the color of pale gold to dark ash and gray, and how their eyes had become red. But Sothasil assured them that this was a blessing, for few knew or understood what had happened to them or their transformation of these new living gods. But most came to accept them and worship them as their new deities. They incorporated the existing worship of Daedra and ancestors into the new tribunal temple, and each founded large cities bearing their own names to act as their personal capitals. Vivek's was on the southern coast of Vaudenfell, of course, Vivex City, and was the largest on all the, the whole island. Sothisil, of course, made his own city. Uh, yeah, we talked about that in a previous episode. As the tribunal harnessed their powers, they apparently learned, among a great many other things, how to remove the appearance of the curse upon themselves. Vivek chose to appear as both a Chimer and a Dunmer, but one group never accepted the tribunal, and that was the Ashlanders. 
The contention that the tribunal murdered Nerevar is derived from the Ashlander oral tradition and it was flatly contradicted by all the Orthodox tribunal temples traditions. So yeah, that's interesting because in the game Morrowind you have to go and talk to the Ashlanders first before you go to the great houses and they basically he called them the false gods they basically like flat out called them false gods so yeah they they <laughs> they know what happened nonetheless the tale became firmly established in the dunmer imagination as if to say of course vivek would never have conspired to murder lord nervar but it happened so long ago who can know the truth Vivek denied it, if asked, and attributed the story to Alandra Sol, a disgruntled Ashlander who served as Nerevar's shield companion. From their inception as deities around First Era 700 to the latter half of the Second Era, the tribunal flourished and exhibited great heroism with their divinity. But it was Vivek who exhibited the greatest heroism who would become pop- the most popular with the people. Vivek distinguished himself as an unstoppable force and shrewd commander in the Fourscore War, which started around First Era 2840 and lasted until the end of the First Era in 2920, which he, fi- which he helped finally bring to an end with a de facto victory with the Dunmer using his diplomatic prowess with him, signing the Convert Truce in Sarasuvio. He saved the Dunmer people from certain death on numerous occasions, such as when he flooded a small part of Morrowind and killed the Akaviri invaders in Second Era 572. I hope we get to see something like that in ESO, because that's, what, ten years before the events of it? It'd be nice to actually see the Akaviri. You see all these other, you know, extinct races, such as the Marmor and the you know, aliens even in ESO. It'd be nice to see the Akaviri people. Possessed with an unmatched, unique perspective on the course of history, Vivek was able to foresee the meteoric rise of General Talos to heavenly and earthly promise, eventually leading him to cease hostile hostile resistance and ally himself with Cyrodiil, though he and other the other tribunes ensured Morrowind to maintain its autonomy. In Second Era 582, Kunhun Chodala, a false Nervian, this is what I was talking about earlier, the events of the Morrowind chapter in ESO, <clears throat> he was a false Nervian and he attempted to steal Vivek's divine power using Sothasil's staff, Sunra, gravely weakening him. Following Chodala's defeat by the Vestige, that's your character, and Azura's champion, Sarian, which is really cool. You basically get to see Azura possess this woman a few times. It was a rare example of Azura aiding Vivek after his apotheosis, if only to protect Vardenfell as a whole. The staff and the energy it had trained were seized by the minion of Clavicus Vile Barbus, who had disguised himself as Vivek's high priest, Archcanon Tarvis. And he now planned to use Vivek's power to allow Clavicus Vile to enter the Clockwork City. Vivek's enfeebled state allowed Bardo, Bardo I, I think that's how you pronounce that, to fall closer to Vivek's city and threatened the eruption of Red Mountain. Oh, that yeah, that's that. Uh, giant asteroid that I was talking about earlier. 
With the continued help of Azura and the Vestige, Vivek succeeded in foiling Barbas's plot and restoring himself to his full power. One, uh, he was one of the more active members of the Tribunal, prof- prolific both in poetry and his writing, and in writing of his own versions of history and philosophy, as well as playing a role of political leader to the end of the Buoyant Armagers, and a personal military order who exemplified its best traits. He was and is still considered the final authority on many historic and metaphysical concepts, such as the means of attaining divinity, the walking ways. So, yeah, there's the 36 lessons of Vivek, and uh, so let's talk a little bit about his teachings. So, conventional teachings of the tribunal temple held that the tribunal achieved divine substance through superhuman discipline and virtue and supernatural wisdom and insight. Like loving ancestors, they guard the council of their followers. Obviously, this account conflicts greatly with the truth, so the truth was suppressed within Marwind, and dissidents persecuted, at times with Vivek's direct involvement, though the knowledge was never fully extinguished. The temple, teach, the temple preached that each tribune was anticipated by a good daedra, one of the daedra who acknowledged and accepted the tribunal as the protectors of the Dunmer people, thereby satisfying theological concerns regarding the tribunal's non-existence before their mortal wives. He became known as the Anticipations. In the case of Vivek, he was anticipated by Mafala. The Denver general did not envision Lord Vivek as a creature of murder, sex, secrets. Rather, they conceived of Lord Vivek as a benevolent king, guardian, warrior, poet, artist. But unconsciously, they accepted the notion of darker hidden currents beneath Vivek's benevolent aspects, as suggested by his association with the ruthless Mafala. So, yeah, most people see Vivek as you know, this wise, all-knowing leader. But he does have a dark side, so I guess that's where the warrior part comes in. So, yeah, Mafala, I <laughs> I don't know if I'd call her a, a good Daedra, but I guess if you're an orc, you, you would. But he, most of the Daedra... If they ask you for something, you know, if they help you, it's because they want something returned. But we'll talk about that when we talk about the Daedra. So let's continue with Vivek here. So Vivek sought to preserve the tribunal authority and legitimacy, especially his own. In Sermon 4 of his lessons discussed more below, he is confronted by a group who believed in conscious, ab- sorry, coincidence above all else. And he knew that to retain his divinity, he must make a strong argument against luck. Evidencing his need for to, his need to advance his legitimacy as deity at all, as a deity at all times. So, yeah, um, that's the thing about power; it, it can be lost, and they have to fight like hell just to keep it at times as evidenced by the Marwin chapter of ESO. So, um, let's talk about a little bit about Dagother here. So there's a picture of Dagother. Sorry, we're, we're going to be talking about the events of the Marwin game here. 
The tribunal visited Red Mountain annually to perform a ritual bath for punishing their divine power. As they approached the slopes of the mountain in, to do so in Secondary 882, they finally discovered the oversight that would end the world as they knew it. Dagothur was still alive, and even more powerful than them, and he was awake. He and his minions ambushed them and drove them away, decisively cutting them off from their of their access to the heart of Lorcan. So we mentioned this before in one of the other episodes here. For over 400 years, Dagothur's forces gained more territory as he spread his influence. He only barely kept in, he was only barely kept in check by the ghost fence. The tribunal erected had erected this and maintained in order to attempt to bottle him and his demons inside Red Mountain. As the tribunal's influence and power weakened, Marwin's society became more and more fragile. For instance, a simple slave revolt went unchecked and became the Arnesian War. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's another thing about the game Marwin is you can actually go through and free slaves. That's kind of a little uh, hidden subplot there. So there's a picture here of Vivek in Third Era 427. So this is the a picture of him from the game Marwind. So Vivek was the last of the tribunal to stand against the Sharmat, as he sometimes referred to Dagothur. He took the burden of substantiality, maintaining the ghost fence on, uh, on himself after Third Era 417, when Sothasil and Almalexia lost two of Kagmarak's tools to Dagothur's forces. They were even captured, though Vivek heroically rescued them. Even so, he cannot recover the tools and the impact of the loss of their can on their campaign, and perhaps the humiliation of losing them caused Vivek's companions to apparently lose hope. So Vivek was alone, facing an enemy he knew he could merely stall and never defeat. In these dark days, with no hope of winning, Vivek set his sights on a slightly different goal, not losing. So here's a quote here. Um, so, without the hope of the heart, our divine powers diminish. Our days as gods are numbered. I have told my priests that I shall withdraw from the world, and that the temple should be prepared for a change. We may be honored no longer as gods, but as saints and heroes, and the temple will return with the faith of our forefathers to worship our ancestors and the three gods, sorry, the three good Daedra, Azura, Mephala, and Boethia. The missions and traditions of the temple must continue, but without its living gods. So that's from Vivek himself here. <clears throat> the return of Azura's champion heralded the end of, the, of Vivek's divinity. Sorry, divinity. A lot of V's there. When the Nerevarine destroyed the enchantments on the heart of Lorcan in Red Mountain, it disappeared, and all those who had stolen power from the heart lost their divine spark. The Nerevarine, finally able to put an end to Dagothur, promptly did so. Vivek's fellow tribunes also fell. I talked about that in uh, earlier episodes. So Almalexia went crazy and murdered Sothasil, and then tried to frame him um, for his as, for an attack. And the Nerevarine killed her after she laid an ambush in Sothasil's Clockwork City. We talked about that in another episode. So to the world at large, each tribune was considered dead or disappeared, including Vivek. 
Bardur, unsupported by his magic, finally fell in Fourth Era 5, destroying the city of Vivek and triggering a chain reaction of natural disasters, most notably the eruption of Red Mountain. So they actually talk about this a little bit in uh, Skyrim, where a lot of the Dunmer left Morrowind in, you know, after the eruption of Red Mountain. So they either went to Skyrim or they went to Solstheim. A lot of them went to Solstheim, but some of them went to Skyrim, you know, around the uh, Winterhold area. So, um, let's see here. And the relief effort brought by the Dunmer to, brought the Dunmer together as a people, but it also weakened them. And it wasn't long before the Argonian invasion of mainland Morrowind so that yeah, the Argonian invasion also you know tag teamed with the eruption of Red Mountain. Basically, Morrowind is a wasteland right now, and nobody really lives there anymore, unfortunately. So nobody really knows what happened to Vivek. So Vivek orchestrated a, an end to the worship of himself, the general devastation at the fall of Baud. Bardor brought to the Dunmer brought the Dunmer people a wave of disillusionment and it was the death knell for the worship of the tribunal. So yeah, like I said, nobody really knows what happened to Vivek. So some have said that he was killed. Some said he was taken by Daedra during the Oblivion Crisis, and others said that, you know, like I said, the Nervarine himself killed him. Which is interesting because you actually can kill Vivek in Morrowind. It takes a long time and it's not easy, but it can be done. I haven't done it myself, but I know somebody who has actually killed him in the game. So, I don't know, maybe there's a little bit of a dragon break there. I, I don't know for sure. Um, yeah, some say he just simply disappeared. So, who knows what actually did happen to Vivek. Uh, maybe he will come back at some point. I doubt it. So, I mean, my guess is that he's just gone for good. But, um, yeah, that was the end of the tribunal there. So, the new temple would prove him right by readopting the worship of the Daedra, who came to be called the Reclamations. And likely as a political gesture to ease the transition, Saint Vivek is still venerated as a great ancestor of the Dunmers. So, like I said, no one really knows what happened to Vivek at the end. Uh, who knows if he's still out there somewhere or if he is dead. Uh, maybe that's something that will be answered in a later game. Like I said, I don't know. Maybe they're kind of like the Dwemer. They're just going to leave that as a mystery. But, uh, yeah, who, who's to say that we won't see Vivek again someday? I mean, we did see him in ESO, but that takes place during the second era. It would be interesting to see uh, what happens in this next game, whether it's still in the fourth era or if it's in the fifth era. Who, who knows? Um, only time will tell. So uh, next up, we are going to be starting the Daedra. I've really been looking forward to this. I know you guys have been looking forward to this also. So we are going to be doing these in order. So if we are going to be doing them in alphabetical order, we are going to be starting with Azura. So I am really looking forward to that. I 
Azura is one of my favorite Daedric princes. So, and it was really cool to see her in person in ESO in a couple of different instances. So, yeah, next up is Azura, guys. So, um, I'm glad to be back doing this again. And uh, I'd like to thank The Hive, as always, for sponsoring this podcast. And if you would like to get a hold of me, you can follow me personally on Instagram and Twitter at iangold08. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at tamrielp. You can please, please, please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get more eyes and ears on this show. And... uh, yeah, I always forget to mention that. That That is a huge help, is leaving a review on Instagram and Twitter. You can also follow my other shows. I've got Nintendo, where we give the info on Nintendo. We just posted an episode on the Oracle Games. We've been doing a series on The Legend of Zelda. And yeah, we just posted an episode about the Oracle of Seasons and the Oracle of Ages. You can also follow my show about Fallout lore, which is called Tapes from the Wastes. And we just recently did a retrospective on Fallout 3. And uh, KDB just posted a mini-sode talking about Death Claws. So definitely, definitely go check that out. And you can always follow me on, or find me on Discord. I'm always on Discord, whether it's, you know, in the Hive or it's on ASA Podcasting, Robots Radio Discord. I'm, I'm always on Discord. So anyway, that is a show. I Like I said, uh, definitely... Um, look me up uh, you can also find me in eso i mainly play on xbox uh, the european server because that's what the hive guild is on so yeah xbox uh, european um you can also find me on twitch it's been a while since i've been on twitch because we've been dealing with smooth but it's twitch.tv slash you can also find me on tiktok at sulior so anyway see you guys next time guys We'll be talking about Azura, so stay safe.